The Golden Mike Podcast is presented by SeaDeck Marine Products. Proudly made in the USA, customizable SeaDeck no-skid traction is non-absorbent, closed-cell EVA specifically formulated for the marine industry. For a free sample and more information, check out www.seadeck.com. That's S-E-A-D-E-K.com. And now, it's showtime. the official voice of Toad Water Sports for over a decade. His vocal tones have narrated the industry's biggest and most prestigious events in the world. With over 25 years of on-water experience, captivating charisma, and a command of his audience, presented by Sea Deck Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast, with the noise of the North himself, oh, yeah. Dano the Mano. Thanks for tuning in to episode 87 of the Golden Mike Podcast. Everyone, I'm the noise of the North, Dano the Mano, the one-time Wake Award winner, recording down at my boathouse studio right here in Windermere, Florida. And now it's time for some audio sunshine. Today's episode is brought to you in part by Performance Ski and Surf. If you're a wakeboarder, water skier, or just a toad water sports enthusiast like me, then you need to check out Performance Ski and Surf down in Orlando, Florida, or online at perfski.com. Performance has all the top brands like Ronix, Slingshot, O'Brien, and more. Plus, their staff is knowledgeable because they're toad water sports enthusiasts themselves. Check them out online at perfski.com. Their website has tons of photos and info on all the best gear to get you on the water or snow. Next time you're in Orlando, be sure to stop in at Performance. It's just minutes away from the Orlando airport and just a mile from OWC and Freedom Wake Park. Stop by, email or call, and be sure to tell them that I sent you and ask about the Dano deal of the day perfski.com online or at perfski on all social media platforms. Today is what I'm guessing to be one of the long-awaited episodes. Well, it's finally happened. Our schedules finally worked out and Miracle Matt Manzari joins me today for a full one-on-one interview. This isn't Matt's first time on the podcast. Matt did sit down with me briefly at the Masters last summer, but on this episode, we get in depth. After we finished, though, Matt mentioned to me that he liked the fact that we talked uh, wake heavy at the beginning of this. We talked about the history. You know, I've, I've personally known Matt and his family for a long time. They were awesome customers. Back in the day when I worked at Performance Ski and Surf, Matt says it in the podcast, I think we've known each other somewhere around 13 or 14 or 15 years. I worked with Matt's brother, Darren, at Performance Ski and Surf. I knew Matt when he was just uh, an enthusiast, a rider, a fan. I knew him uh, when he got picked up by Cassette Wake Skates and became a, a pro wake skater. He's an awesome dude. The dude has never changed no matter what he's gone through. You know, Matt's been a really busy guy. It's been really hard to connect, but uh, finally we did it. Matt, you know, is back. He's in like full force the way I see it. He's doing some really generous things for a lot of people 
A lot of people did a lot of generous things for Matt in the conversation. He touches on that. As for me, though, I spent most of December and January in Chicago, uh, where if you guys follow any of the national uh, or world news, it's been cold up there, freezing, you know? New year, new me, right? Isn't that the saying that everyone's saying? Well, I'm trying to eat a little healthier this year. I've uh, been getting back into the gym. Been going to Retro Fitness. There's one in Chicago, and there's one right down the street from my house here in Orlando. And T-Gas works out there also, so that's exciting. Uh, last night, I tried out uh, the the Retro Fitness there down by my house. And, uh, yeah, it was it was all right. It was nice. I talked to some of the, uh, the people there, and... Uh, Hey, I'm going to try to stick with it. I'm going to use it as my motivation for getting back in shape and getting back on the water. Uh, Who knows? Maybe next summer you'll see me in the final four at Feet on Fire. Is it a dream? Well, I don't know. Dreams are are achievable. Anything is achievable um, after this conversation with, with Matt, of course. It is boat show season. I stopped by the Chicago Boat Show last week. Uh, Thank you to Matt Munson and the crew at Munson Ski for the hookup on the the tickets. I saw uh, from Malibu Boats, Charles White, Malibu Mike. He was up there. Rusty Malinowski was hanging out at the Hyperlight booth. Jonathan Travers was there for HO. Rick Skinner was great seeing him, the rep for Hyperlight and HO up there. Todd Wren, my buddy from Twin Lakes Marine. They're now carrying Centurion Boats. They had their rep up there, Jason Hammonds and Ashley Kidd was their pro. She was hanging out. Chad Sharp was up there for Malibu Boats. Adam Winsink was there with Nautique. Good to see my buddy Mike McKelly, Mark Ruck, Mark Norwell. Man, there were so many people there. Always good to catch up. Get to those boat shows, people. They're happening all around the country right now. It's a great place to to see what's up for next year and uh, meet the who's who in the industry. I'm going to be at the Detroit Boat Show with Step Up Productions this February. Uh, We're doing a rail jam up there, so come say what's up. Come meet me. All right, before we do get on with this podcast, if you haven't subscribed to the show yet on iTunes or the podcast app or on one of the many Android podcast applications on your Android phones, search the Golden Mike Podcast. We are available pretty much anywhere. Once you find the Golden Mike Podcast on iTunes or wherever it is that you find us, subscribe, then give it a five-star rating and review. The podcast is free to you, the listeners. It's always been, and I aim to keep it that way. Here are the awesome sponsors of the podcast. Because of them, I am able to give this to you, so give them your love if you can. SeaDeck Marine Products, Boulder Boats, Woodrow Sustainable Optics, Performance Ski and Surf, Footin.com, Borden.com, GoPuck, Rockstar Energy, C4 Belts, Conley, Lead Wake, Ronix, O'Brien, and Slingshot. Other ways to support is to buy a dad hat from me. If you're interested in that or you just want to talk to me, you can email me, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. You can find me on Facebook at the Golden Mike Podcast. On Twitter, at the golden underscore Mike, and at the Dano T. Mano. On Instagram, I am at Dano T. Mano. All right, let's do it. Now to Claremont, Florida, to the office of Beyond the Burn with my guest, the one and only Miracle Matt Manzari. 
Welcome to the podcast. What's going on, Dano? You and I have known each other for a really long time. I was actually thinking about it, and I forgot. I was at your wedding. You were. And that which was, was how long ago? eight years ago. Okay, so I was at and, your wedding. And, I mean, we knew each other way before that. I mean, back maybe even before you worked at Performance or when you were working at Performance. When I worked at Performance is when Be- we met. Yeah, because I was probably 14, and I'm 28 now. Wow. So that's... 14 years. Well, it would make sense because I started working at Performance in October of 2003. So that would have been when I met you. And I know you. I know your brother, um, Darren. How's Darren doing? Darren's doing great. He lives in New Orleans. He just got married about a year ago. And um, he started a small production company. Really? I got to talk to him in a little bit. Is he still living that? I mean, he was a wild guy for a while there. It's funny. We just had his 30th birthday party. And his wife was like, hey, I know you've toned down, but what do you want to do for your dirty 30? And he's like, I'm going to go to the aquarium with my nephews. And he said, I think I've partied enough for 10 lifetimes. So I don't mind having a quiet night in. So believe it or not, a bit wild, a.k.a. Baby D, has actually toned down a, <laughs> a little bit. I mean, I was always, you and him... As far as like that went, we're always like such polar opposites, I think, you know, back in back in the day, because, you know, I had my time where I was a pretty wild guy uh, back in I've you? Toned it, yeah, no. a little bit. Right. But uh, yeah, I had some good times with your bro. And but I always kind of like was would have just assumed. And obviously, you know what they say when you assume. But, you know, back you you when you got kind of your career started after. Um, obviously I knew you when you got into wake skating. I think I knew you when you were still wakeboarding a little bit. Um, but I mean, you were running around with like the cassette guys, like Thomas Harrell a little bit. I know you were looking up to him and I know he sort of took you under his wing a little bit. Didn't Thomas take you under his wing a little bit? Yeah. Like, um, right at the end of cassette, uh, I had just landed, I don't know if it was right when I landed a backside flip, I was riding a Byerly board and I sent him a tape and, uh, was it an actual tape or was it a DVD? Because it wasn't a YouTube video, right? You didn't no, it wasn't a-, a YouTube video. It, I can't. I think it was. I think it might have been a DVD. So did you like put it in an envelope? Yeah, I put it in an envelope. I mailed it to Miami, and uh, he was like, he called me back. He's like, "Yo, dude, it's crazy. This is pretty cool stuff you guys are doing. I gotta check out a few things about your footwork. Check out what your footwork. Make sure you're flicking it and you're not pushing down on your kickflips. But uh, we should be all good." And uh, he, and then he, he put me on the cassette team, and uh, and it was actually eight months before that, before that Rete contest that uh, I had first talked to him, and he said, send him footage. And Wait, put, which contest was it? It was the Rete, like Aaron Reed had a pool gap sure. way back in the day up here. And, and it was a few months before that I talked to Thomas, and, uh, and he's like, dude, send me some stuff. And I started trying to film a little part to send it to him. And I put my arm through the handle and just kind of had my arm in a sling. It was, you know, bruised up. And uh, and then after the Red Day contest, Aaron, I think that's when it was, Aaron Reed put Reed on the team. And then like a month later, I got back in the water, finished my part, sent my stuff to Thomas. He put me on the team. And then it was funny because he actually didn't know Reed and I were like best buds riding all the time because I kind of went through Thomas, Reed went through Aaron. And then uh, we were the last... I think we were the last two guys on the cassette team. So talk about when you moved down to, to Florida and how you guys sort of got into the whole water sports thing. Yeah, so I lived in upstate New York, and you say New York, people think the city, but the town I lived in was about the size of Groveland. 
uh, up in the Rocky or up in the um, Adirondack Mountains, which is a lot like Colorado type scenery. And we just snowboarded all winter and then started wakeboarding. And I'll never forget when we saw that flight 69 in the Overtons and we're like, no way, both directional, both directions. Like this board is amazing. It's incredible. And we were freaking out. We would not shut up about it. And my dad went in the other room and was like, well, I was going to surprise you guys for Christmas, but, and he brought out this flight 69 and it was like the Holy grail for us. So um, did you guys have boards before that? Or we, were you we water had, skiing? Uh, we had one directional, um, it wasn't the original scarfer, but we had single directional board with sandals on it. And then getting this flight 69 twin tip with bindings was huge, but we got it. And it was like end of October, early November, upstate New York, we were already getting snow. So we we're like super excited and then had to wait till summer. And, uh, we moved to Florida and it's hard to be a snowboarder in Florida. So we just started wakeboarding all the time. Okay. So being in Orlando, the, like one of the positive things, especially if you're into like water skiing or wakeboarding or wake skiing to water sports in general is, um, how easy it is to kind of connect with some of the riders. So it sounds like, like you probably, before you knew who the pros were, before you became a pro, you were following like the scene a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I was following the scene when we lived in upstate New York, we got wakeboard mag and I remember thinking, like in your in your mind as a little kid, a professional athlete is the same thing as a celebrity. So I remember first seeing Sean Murray, Shane, and Parks at a boat show right when he moved down. And my first thought was like, where's their bodyguards? Because like in my mind, there was no difference between Parks Bonifay and Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise. Like they're just all celebrities. And they drive around limos and have bodyguards and stuff. I was like, you can just walk up to them? What in the world? So did you like walk and, up to them? Oh, guys? yeah. I still have an O'Brien Shifty with uh, Sean, Shane, and Parks' autograph. And I think Greg Nekrasen was there, too. So, um, so he came later that day. Okay. So so where was this? OWC? Or that this was, a was Bocho. Uh, Bocho in Orlando. Okay. So what about like connecting with the pros as, as a rider? So uh, as a rider, like Reed and I... Uh, we kind of knew some dudes through Trevor, but I kind of got my break um, through, well, it was through Trevor. Actually, everybody was at some contest and Reed and I had been wake skating like crazy. And honestly, we hadn't thought of making a career out of it or trying to be pro or anything. And Trevor called me and he's like, dude, I've got a photo shoot with Josh Letcherworth and I don't have anyone to pull me. Everybody's at this event. And he's like, can you come pull me? So I had to have my mom drop me off because I couldn't drive yet. And my mom dropped me off and I pulled Trevor for this photo shoot. And then they had the ski there. He was doing chase. And he's like, hey, you want to ride? And I was like, sure. And I went out and rode. And like halfway through my session, I saw uh, Josh pick up his camera and start shooting as I, and saying, hey, do drive-bys. And he's like, dude, did you just do a three flip? I was like, yeah. And he's like, can't like two or three people in the world do that? And I was like, I think so. I think just Reed and Nick are the only other two. And he's like, can I do this little article in Wakeboard Mag called Coming Up? And he did this Coming Up article. And like within the next couple months of that article, I started getting uh, more shots in the mag. I was riding with Byerly, filming with the filming for the um, volume videos. And um, I got on Nike. I got on Malibu Boats. Uh, I got on, that was the transition to Gator Boards coming up. Um, well, but I was I getting mean, cassette for free. The, the then, cassette was kind of on its way. Yeah, so I was like hardcore 
I'm ne- never leaving cassette. It's like the bee's knees. It wasn't the money. It wasn't and about yeah, money. Yeah, like it was like even if I get an offer for money, it doesn't matter. Because um, you're a kid who lives at home, so you don't think – I mean, yes, $500 a month sounds like a lot of money. But at the same time, you're like, I ride for cassette, like the first wakeskate company. So – um, I mean, you had access to Thomas Terrell. And, yeah, like, like Thomas I could would call pick up cell phone, phone call. And, and, um, so I remember we were at Surf Expo, first Surf Expo I went to, and Troy, uh, the team manager for Gator, came up to me. He's like, hey, dude, saw your stuff. We got to get you. And I was like, sorry, I'm not interested. Like, I'm trying to get a wetsuit sponsor and a boat sponsor and things like that, but I'm not interested like I'm good with a cassette and he like came up to me two or three times through expo and I was just like dude I'm like I'm not into it and then I looked over at the Gator booth and I was like is that Randall and that was that time remember Randall had quit and disappeared and like wakeboard mag did that you know where what happened to the Vandal article like kind of like joke like I wanted like any info on him because he had gone through his gnarly experience through cell phone out deleted his email and he did lose touch went work construction for his dad for two years so this was the expo he was coming back to say hey i'm riding again and i looked over and saw randall and was like yeah whatever it is i'm on i'm in like randall was my hero favorite wakeboarder of all time and i kind of knew like i mean he's so gnarly looking you think okay it's gonna be uh i love his riding but he's probably still heavy into you know drugs alcoholic whatever like i i he's the vandal I'm waiting for this heavy party lifestyle. So I just signed with Gator, um, like whatever contract they would give me just because I wanted to be on that team now that Randall is back. And I'll never forget the first uh, the first time I was driving to Fort Myers to go to Gator's house. And I was like, what am I getting myself into? Like I'm this little kind of clean cut kid, like getting ready to move, come into this crazy situation i don't know what's going to happen well like behind the scenes it uh, i think the gator team and i don't really know fully what was going on behind the scenes but i mean they i think they kind of had a reputation of partiers and stuff like that and you know they the the list of riders that they had you know yeah gator of course you know um you had uh you had randall um back in the day i'm trying to think who i mean uh, Brandon Meek. I mean, there was like there was yeah. like a a big list of riders that were definitely notorious for good times, you know. So, and that's what I was expecting to walk into, and what I didn't know was the whole behind the scenes story. Like you're saying, is that like if you remember, Randall's kind of shared his experience with his, uh, you know, his his God experience in transgression at the end, and what had happened is Randall quit because he said, you know, he was heavy into drugs alcoholic since 14 had this experience when he had his throat cut left for dead woke up from the hospital and was like you know i've been atheist my whole life but some like god was there i don't know where and how but someone was helping me through this so he like has this big transformation walks out of the hospital throws his phone away deletes his email swears the industry off forever gator right at that time goes to bible school and becomes like a baptist minister or something so gator had gone through this two-year like bible training and then ron kind of same thing ron sidenglance had gone through this transformation in his life and ron of course and, is like one of the most respected filmers yeah. and videographers at the time and this is like two years later the three of them are just having a like a three-way call like how have you guys been i haven't talked to you in three years and separately they've all gone through this kind of transformation from crazy party stigma to cleaning up their life a little bit and 
they're like, dude, let's get back together. Randall's like, I'll start riding again. We'll do a video. Um, and let's do it. So I'm pulling into Fort Myers expecting I'm walking into this crazy party house like you'd see on MTV or something. And I walk in and they're all sitting at this table and Gator's trying to lead a Bible study with the whole team. And they're all drinking hot chocolate. And I'm like, what? What the heck is going on here? And uh, I realized like so many people were intimidated by Randall and he's just like a teddy bear with tattoos. I mean, we just... I mean, we hit it off and became good friends and, uh, he lived at my house the rest of that summer. Um, and then the next summer and we just basically ate ice cream and gummy bears and rode every day. What would you say like Randall did for, for you in your career? I mean, did he, did he help you yeah, out? I mean, he helped, uh, in a lot of ways, he, he helped give advice on how you negotiate contracts, how to kind of deal with the industry. Um, a lot of things that other writers probably don't do. Like he had me take all my magazine cutouts from that year you know come out put them in a binder and bring them to expo the next year and he's like you know it's one thing a lot of these guys can talk but like there's two routes you either go the contest route and you try to get every podium and prove it through podiums or you go the film route and you make crazy video parts and try to be in every issue so i had a goal that year like i'm gonna get in every issue of something whether it's this month in wakeboard or alliance i'm gonna have a shot every issue every issue or every month this year and and that happened and that helped me like crazy because I walked up with this thick binder of like 20, 30 pages and I had, I don't, I remember going through them, cutting those out, being like, I think I might've got more coverage, coverage than any wake skater this year. And that helped me huge. And Reed had kind of gone the other way where he, he got a really good uh, deal with super where they're like, Hey, prove yourself. Like we're not going to pay you, but we'll give you a crazy good winning incentive. You win a contest, you'll get paid. If you don't, you don't. And it was like, you know, no risk to them. Little they know he's like, Oh really? I'm going to go win every contest this year. And I was skipping contests to go shoot with bear and, uh, you know, Brian Soderlund and Josh Letchworth. I shot with those guys all the time. And like my whole focus, Joey Maddock was just land new tricks, do stuff that's never been landed and get cool photos of it. And I structured all my contracts, photo incentive heavy to where I was like, if I could make a contest, I did, but I wasn't that worried about it. Reeds were all focused, winning incentives. So even though we were like best friends riding together, uh, it was kind of cool because it didn't feel like we were really even in competition. Like we were, we were, we had different kind of paradigms in the industry that we were trying to move towards. You've obviously stepped away from the competition side of competing, <laughs> or the competing side <laughs> of competition. Side of co <laughs> um, but you're still involved in some of like uh, the biggest wake skate specific contests. Um, what contests have you been involved in, and then like what roles have you had? So since my injury um, three years ago, the wake industry is truly a family. Like I cannot thank everybody in the wake industry enough. They came together. There were so many fundraisers for Brad and I. Uh, you know, our accidents were a week apart and people just came together like a family. People donated their boards and their time and did contests and donated the proceeds and they just supported us. And my wife and I are forever grateful because th those first two years out of the hospital, um, that was all we had. I was in physical therapy five days a week and then I would come home and I'd be doing thousands of hours of physical therapy, trying to get range of motion, in my shoulders and neck and arms and um, 
So the wake industry really came together and supported us. So my response to that now that I'm back is I just want to serve wake where I can. So like I flew over to Germany, judged for the last wake the line a year and a half ago. Judging wake skating and wakeboarding? Or just uh, wake I just did wake skating there, uh, judged for Battle Falls. Um, I need to actually call Bish today, but might be judging for some of the pro tour this summer. And uh, judging a few events in North Carolina for wakeboarding and wake skating. But, um, you know, I want to be on the end where I can just say, hey, I'm here to help. Like, I've got a wakeboard background. I've got a wake skate background. I love toad water sports. I just, I have a passion. I mean, there there were times in my recovery where I would just put in 12 honkies and just be sitting, sitting there just totally in tears, just breaking down, wondering if I'll ever get behind a boat again. And and it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. And you just watch these videos that inspired you as a kid that made you want to be a part of this. And it would just, it would just break me. I, I just, I had such a passion and a love for it. Uh, I, I love and appreciate wakeboarding so much and wake skating. Uh, so I'm not really that core wake skater, like, oh, screw, screw wakeboarders and whatever. And they're just kooks. Like, no, wakeboarding's awesome. Wake skating's awesome. You come from a time you were growing up and you were fan, you were like super fan during a time when videos were like a huge, huge part of the, um, of the industry, uh, full length films. Um, so kind of a two parter here, what were some of the videos? Um, and then more specifically, uh, the video parts that really inspired you growing up and then also um, maybe one or two videos that you were in or sections um, that maybe mean the most to you? Um, I mean, probably that all or nothing Barley part is one of my all time and Eric Ruck welcome. Really? Oh my gosh. Eric Ruck welcome when he would do those big um, back mobs off the double up. That was my favorite wakeboard trick of all time. It's all I wanted to do. I wanted to hit double ups. Were you ever able to land a back mob? No, <laughs> no. I uh, I've fallen pretty hard trying them. But uh, to me, just watching Ruck do that trick was just so much style. And he's riding to uh, Jimi Hendrix's Little Wing, and it's just you know before you needed music rights for videos, and you can get any song you wanted. But that was incredible. I love that dude. Sure, sure. What about the like that Byerly uh, part? What What do you remember that kind of stuck out stuck out about that? Because um, I remember I remember that that part too. I loved it. I think uh, there, the marina across from where I used to work sold hyperlights, and I remember going over there and like checking out the. You remember the blue foam tops? Those were. Yeah, I mean, for sure, the reentry kickflip is the highlight of that part for me to this day. I mean, that kickflip was like over knee height is like two foot off the way catches it like super stylish got the Byerly hook going on I totally totally tried to copy that I mean when I first watched my first video parts and and I would see that I'd do a trick and my back arm would be way out there and just all over the place up or down I was like that's got to change and I started trying to hold it in and then I realized like subconsciously I think that probably came from watching Byerly. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I get Sometimes I get a little hook trick skiing, <laughs> or even slalom skiing. I try to just hook it around instead of wide out there. Hey, what about like videos that, because I know you were obviously in transgression, but you've been, you've been so lucky and blessed that you've gotten to travel the world and, and film for these videos. So like, what, what are some of those special videos and those special parts in, in general? Uh, probably Aqua Frolics was like the most special video part 
or transgression. I mean, transgression was my first big video. Um, Aquafolics, I gave it everything I had and just, I mean, a lot of new tricks in there that um, just pushed me as a rider, trying stuff I'd never done, doing that. Um, the last trick in that video I got trick of the year for uh, back backboard backside 270 backside flip off a flat bar and um, and then the volume videos there was a few of the I mean in a few of the issues just the little sections I had where it was uh, n never before done tricks that I got in there my 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 volume pro spotlight so Scott I love you I forgive you but I'm just gonna tell this story because I've never told it but volume pro spotlight super stoked huge honor i'm getting the pro spotlight you get the cover of the video you so before you before you go into it just just tell everybody what like volume if, that, for people who aren't familiar with it uh, yeah that's what i'm going through okay. so so you get the volume videos it's like a video magazine series idea and they would have these montages where he would just pick up clips of everything going on in wake skating you know two or three tricks at a time of whoever was pushing the sport whoever uh landed something new or did something big you'd get in these like three montages in the videos they just do three songs that could have five riders sharing the song um but there was a pro spotlight that would be that guy would get the cover of the video and the ending section which would be a full section and i poured my whole heart into that video like i mean just went crazy and i remember there's a line off the get up, did double kick flip, backside flip, frontside flip, uh, switch frontside flip, varial flip. And I was no like, falls. I was like, that's going to be my end ender. Like, that's it. And it's like freaking out is my second switch frontside flip I ever landed. And uh, it's the only fl switch flip trick I could do. And I was like losing it, super excited. And I think I had a heel flip in that too, which I've still never had in a video. I've only landed three heel flips. But I was like super excited. And I remember um brandon parker calling me the night before the premiere was like hey you want to see your part it's done and it was gonna be uh the funeral that song the funeral was the song uh band of horses that i was using and it was like this is gonna be awesome and he showed me the part and i laughed and i was like that's funny can i see the part now and i thought he was pranking me because it was all this like b-roll sketchy stuff like hand drag tricks were in there all the lines i'd shot were gone and i was like and he's like what this is all i have like scott just gave me these two tapes and it was like old footage from stuff i'd filmed from before i had this pro spotlight and i was like dude there's like three tapes of crazy stuff and he's like the only tape i got from recent was this one that's got this wake to wake three flip on it and some other wake to wake stuff. And I was like, that other wake to wake stuff, the boat wasn't even weighted yet. I was just going back and forth doing 180s. It was like tiny wake. like So what happened to the footage? Warming up. And I I told Scott about it. And I was like, dude, where's the footage? And he's like, ah, I did lose a camera bag. And I thought there were some tapes in there. But I thought I had one. And he's like, totally lost the tapes. And it's Scott Byerly. So it's like, what do you do? Yeah, what do you do? Like, you're a little kid and you're like, dude, no, it's fine. It's awesome. I love it. Like, <laughs> but I remember watching that premiere and we went to that premiere and uh, they were like halfway through the video and Aaron Reed was like, uh, he yelled at us like, all right, let's fast forward to that man's already part. And I was so embarrassed. Like I didn't want anyone to see it. And I mean, I still had people tell me it was a cool part, but I'm sure like, it was still really had, good, but you're so critical yeah, I think, on yourself. I think the first wake to wake three flip was in there, but I dragged it, dragged my hand like crazy. Like it was like a butt drag. And, uh, 
Hey, but, at, yeah. a, at a wakeboard contest or at a contest, you'll get uh, more response from the crowd just dragging on your back oh, yeah. with one foot up <laughs> as long as you stand up at the end, man. You're but, the uh, hero of the event. But yeah, so that part would have been one of my favorites, but we lost the tapes. Sure. And that story's never been told. <laughs> and there it is. Don't worry, <laughs> there Scott. There it is. Matt, Matt uh, forgives you. You've, you've done a bunch of other podcasts, right? Yeah, yeah, I've done a couple. Yeah, and some radio shows. So, I mean, like... I think it's like really cool that you and I get to sit here and chat all about like the history and the wake and stuff like that. But I know that part of like a huge part of your story, you know, over the the, the past you know decade, um, revolves around uh, your injuries and your recoveries. And um, I, I kind of want to touch a little bit of, of, about both of those because I think that also um, transitions into where you are and what you're doing today. So. Um, if it's cool, I want to like start with, um, your first like major injury. And, uh, that was, it was a heavy day and I was there. I was actually announcing when, uh, when, when the whole thing went down, we were at the Byerly toe jam and, uh, do you recall like what year that was? Uh, it was 2012. So, so 2012. So that probably would have been like, my last year announcing the the toe jam at this point toe jam was it almost turned into a wake skating's three event tournament because yeah. there was like cable boat and then winch um and it was during the boat event which at the time seemed like it was losing lots of traction in wake skating in general it seemed like guys like you and reed and grub were doing your best to keep keep it alive out there but um uh, at the end of pass number one, I think it was in one of the early rounds, um, we're at the projects, a place that that you had ridden, I'm guessing, hundreds of times yeah. um, at this point. And you you came through and uh, you, you, you threw down like a big, if I can remember, it was like a 360 and then you, you just disappeared past this cove. And um, announcing, I knew that, sweet, if this guy landed, awesome. But I also knew that, like, if you didn't land, you probably got ejected, and some, and right probably next pre- to the shoreline, e- something which was close, covered in rocks. So talk about it. If so you don't mind. yeah, we don't have rocks in Florida, so it's a spot where the pass really narrows in, like a bottleneck, and the boat kind of goes really close to shoreline on on both sides, and they've dumped some like cinder block and just broken up sidewalk there just to keep the shoreline erosion away. Because that's like the wakeboard lake. Yeah. That was the wakeboard lake. Or mm-hmm. even the slalom lake. It's just there to, to dissipate yeah, the waves. Yeah, it's just there to help dissipate the waves. So it's a bunch of brick and rock there. And um, coming into the shoreline, coming into that boat contest in general, I don't think I'd ever trained necessarily for a boat contest like that. But you've ridden in um, So I, I wanted to actually do well in that boat contest. Like you said, I'd been – I'd actually kind of left wake skating to – an extent and um and I, I went to school kind of was in this transition and and thought man if i could still stay in, on top why not ride a few events uh, i was kind of starting to cut ties with my sponsors anyways and move on and here i was coming to the shoreline and i had worked on this run so much i, I knew how many tricks i could get in that line and i knew i had time for my front three so it's like all right i'll do nose grab front three right here go around the turn and start second pass and what they tell me happened, because I don't remember, I remember edging in saying I'm going to do front three. Um, they told me I edged in and the weight curled over and I backed off my edge, 
said speed up and then just was just laser beam focused on that wake as soon as the curl went away i just edged kept edging not realizing that ate up my space between the shoreline and uh i did this front three and kyle rattray was driving and he said he looked in the mirror and he realized like he's gonna land on the rocks like it's the the time is gone i'm gonna come from the air right onto the rocks and he killed the throttle which actually made me drop onto the water um and he said i hit the water and it wasn't it wasn't eight inches later like it was right the nose of my board looked like it did land on the rocks and i just went to the shoreline lights out and um Reed jumped in his truck and ripped down there, and he said he got to me first. And well, I know Rodrigo was down there also. Yeah, and Rodrigo. So R- Reed and Rodrigo were down there, and they were the only ones that saw, they said, before the swelling started. So instead of it being puffy, they could see where my skull had caved inward um, around my right eye socket. And Reed said, you know, you were laying there, and I thought for sure you were going to die right there. And um, when I got out of surgery... The doctors told me, they're like, dude, you know, there's a pressure point in your temple that we all know about, and you crushed everything above and below it. Like, you should have hit your head half that hard, and it should have been lights out over. Um, So I crushed my skull in uh, 13 places. I got 16 screws and uh, two or three plates to rebuild my nasal passage and my jaw and my eye socket. Uh, Broke my jaw clean on both sides, uh, dislocated the top of it. Uh, dislocated my hip, crushed my hand, and had a piece of rebar that was sticking out of one of the rocks go through the back of my leg. And I still have like a little, we call it my dent in my butt. I still have a dent in my butt where the muscle never (laughs) came back. But um, yeah, so it was a gnarly wreck. So that happens. And when do you like, like, when do you come to and, and know that this is going on? I mean, I remember edging into the wake and my next memories after surgery. I kind of remember being really thirsty and them telling me I couldn't drink or move. Um, like I have like little spots of memory there, but my first like clear day is, you know, four or five days later. So four or five days later, you wake up and I'm assuming that wake skating is probably not what you're thinking about. No, I mean, they had me, uh, you know, I left the hospital in a wheelchair because uh, of my broken tailbone and uh, dislocated hip. And then the next few months, I, I was walking with a walker for like two months and then graduated to a cane. Um, and it was the toe jam was the beginning of that season. And I ended up competing in the last contest of the season. So like six months later, I just got back on a board. And that was crazy because like I remember thinking – was it, was it, or maybe it was the first one of the next year. Cause I thought I was eight months recovery and then got back. Um, but whatever it was, I went back to, yeah. Cause I went back to toe jam and I remember that contest meant more to me than any contest in the world. Cause it was like going from being, using a walker and a cane and wondering what wake skating was going to feel like again. Or even if you were going to be able to. Yeah. It, well, I mean, I knew I'd be able to, I just, I mean, at that time, though, my tailbone was so bad. Like, I mean, I've met people that said it, it, that pain could last forever to an extent, um, but luckily it hasn't. But um, I remember entering that contest and being like, if I could just just ride by and fist bump, like, that's cool. I just want to just a year later to conquer this. And then 
that contest to be the first one to go from totally unqualified to the six man super final. That like that meant so much to me. I came in unqualified. It was twenty dudes competing for two wild card spots. And I was like, if I could just get a wild card spot and ride one heat, that'd be awesome. And then I made finals. And it was like me, Daniel Grant, uh, Andrew and Austin, Nick and Ben in the finals. And just that was like, uh, you know, I tied tied for fourth. So it wasn't, I didn't do very good in the finals because I went for broke, <laughs> of course. But uh, but I was, I mean, that contest meant more more to me than any win or any magazine. It was just a cool experience. Your second major injury occurred in 2015, 2014. 2014. So it was so literally it was two years yeah, after was, after your a major major life changing injury happens. So you're you're getting ready. You're filming for Defy, and um, and it's June at this point. Uh, June two thousand. I'm sorry, filming for Prime. And now we're in June of 2014, and uh, kind of, if you wouldn't mind, kind of walk us through what you yeah, were doing. Was, and I was trimming trees at a church in Orlando, just helping out. And I had been in high reaches, because as you know, in our industry, all the photographers shoot photos out of the high reach to get that overhead vantage sure. shot. I've been in them too. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not a heights guy, so I don't like it up that I, it's <laughs> kind of a, it's kind of like a, a fear factor thing for me to go up there. <laughs> yeah. So my wife was a administrative assistant. Uh, that's what her degree was in healthcare admin and, uh, had a job at Florida hospital church across from the hospital. And they were talking about how they needed somebody to trim these trees along the sidewalk. And she's like, Oh, my husband, he's been in high reaches before he'll do it. And I was like, for sure. I'll give the church a few days. No worries. No worries. So we rented a bucket just like we have for wake and they give this steel bucket, but what I didn't realize is you can't be in a steel bucket near high tension wires. Uh, tree trimmers and uh, linemen use fiberglass insulated buckets. So I took this steel bucket up, um, and it was a big three phase 40 line over 12,000 volts. And I was probably 10, 15 feet away from it. And it was just a humid enough day. The electricity uh, jumped through the air, arced over um, to the bucket. And I had all that electricity run through my body, uh, ran through my, in my, in my arms where I was holding on to the controls, ran through my chest and then blew at the top of my head. Um, I had headphones on, so, uh, it actually went down a headphone wire, melted my iPhone in my leg. That's why I have a burnt Apple symbol in my leg. No, <laughs> um, but it burnt my iPhone in my leg and then went up the headphones The they exploded in my ears and then it blew at the top of my head and broke the current. So where were like when this is when this is happening? When do you when are lights out for you? Is it the second? For me, minute? yeah, lights are out before. I mean, I remember being like, "All right, I'm gonna go grab some water and moving the little control forward, and I can just still see clearly the the front tire starting to turn on the high reach, and then boom, waking up from the coma. And uh, you know, my wife's at the scene, and and she says it's just what I remember. They walked out, and they thought I got struck by lightning. Because the bucket wasn't near the tree, it wasn't near the power line, it wasn't, it was just kind of suspended in the air. And uh, it was all fourth and fifth degree burns, which most people don't even know exist. They think third degree is the worst. But fourth degree burns through the muscle tissue, uh, and fifth degree starts burning bone. So I had fifth degree where it burnt right through my sternum bone, and fourth degree all my arms. And um, she was at the scene and she said, You could, it looked like something from an AP book or a horror film, like, you could see my whole rib cage exposed, my clavicle, my sternum bone, and 
Um, I just didn't have any skin on the front of my chest and arms. And uh, the EMTs were holding her back, holding her back, and then eventually were like, hey, he's dying. You got to let his wife say bye. And she came and said goodbye to me. Um, and when I got to the hospital, there was still a heartbeat, but they told her, they said, ma'am, just so you know, uh, there's no brain activity. Like, even if he somehow pulls through or wakes up from this coma, he slipped into, uh, he is a vegetable. Um, so she's my hero because she's four months pregnant with our first child. We'd been married five years and realizing she's now entering motherhood as a single mom who just watched her husband die. Insane, man. Yeah. It's it's so crazy. And so now you're over in Orlando. Uh, you're over here in Orlando Hospital. And at the same time, um, B-Rad's in there too at this point. Yeah, I can't remember if he was six days after or before me. Gotcha. I, no, he was after because he, uh, when he had his accident, you know, you say crazy stuff when you're on the IV meds. I said crazy stuff. I mean, my first accident, I said, you got to send someone back to the projects and cover the rocks with bubble gum so no one else gets hurt. But I guess Brad, when he woke up, was uh, saying that uh, the wake skaters were trying to get him and do the same thing to him that they did to Matt Manzari, and he had to get out of there. <laughs> and they were like, Brad, nobody's trying to get you. Unbelievable. But, I wonder if subconsciously he knew that yeah, you were there or something like that. Yeah, I mean, or... I think he would just heard the story probably a couple days before, and then he had his accident and yeah okay so this this is this is a really heavy time for everybody in the industry and obviously an even heavier time for your family and your closest friends and and um so we talked about when you came to and started recognizing um after your first injury that happened you know uh at the wakeboard or at the wake skate contest now this is completely different but like when do you when when do you start realizing you're still alive it's it's so weird because i only have that whole first month i only have a couple memories and there are things that stuck out like i have my earliest memory is um a conversation with a doctor they had this like film on my eyes they had um they were putting bacitracin all over my eyes too because my eyes were burnt which it, if you don't mind like it's just like uh almost like a antibiotic cream um so like I couldn't see, I just see, saw like fuzziness around the room and um, they're realizing there is cognitive activity and I have brain activity. Um, and this doctor said to me, he said, Matt, you know, we're not supposed to do this like this, but I need to shoot you straight. He said, you don't have any skin on your chest and arms. Uh, one dead muscle is toxic enough to your body to shut down your kidneys and heart and uh, more than half the muscles in your upper body are dying. So he said, we're, we're trying to cut away. We're doing surgery every day, cutting away muscle as it dies. But at some point, one of these muscles is going to be toxic to your bloodstream and you'll start to go septic and you'll have about four to six hours and there's nothing we can do. So it was this moment of like, wow, well, nice to meet you, doc. Have you ever considered counseling? Cause your people skills are incredible. <laughs> but like, um, it was this moment of, I, I guess, just realizing this was it. I was dying and this is what I was being told. And, you know, I, I did have a living will and that, you know, I needed to communicate that and set that in motion. Um, but I think that was just such a hard moment that I remember that. And my next memory is not for like another couple weeks. And, um, it's just a slow process. It's a weird process because everything up to the accident is as clear as day. It would be like you right now opening your eyes 
and they're telling you, hey, plane crashed through this building and you were hit. And you're like, what? No, I'm in Matt's office doing an interview. I got to go back over there. And they're like, no, that was three weeks ago. Like, it's this weird, like, I mean, just jump in time where it's just instant. And you're three weeks fast forward or a month fast forward. And it's crazy. When was it that you realized, like, hey, like, this, there's a chance that this is not going to be as morbid as this doctor is telling me it's going to be? Um, I had a really hard moment I had a guy in the room next to me that he had a pretty bad injury um but he was on the good side he was a few weeks from getting out and the nurses knew that and my nurse Jenny came to my room one day and was like hey um you know let's just call him Bob uh because I don't want to use his name but you know Bob last night we don't know what happened he uh he he got really depressed and he started saying how he's never getting out of here and even if he does he'll be in pain the rest of his life and his numbers went up and and he died and that was the first time I realized like whoa as hard as the physical pain is like it's more pain than I could have imagined and as a pro athlete you're used to pain (laughs) but as hard as the physical pain is this is more of a mental battle and I started to realize like I can't be defeated and you know I'm just gonna fight with everything everything I have and pour back to my loved ones, be me and ignore what these doctors are saying. You know, even when I'm not feeling it, tell myself I'm getting better. And um, I was at an event a couple of years ago, um, a John Maxwell event, and there was 3,000 people in the crowd I was speaking. And this lady kind of was challenging me on it. And she said, Matt, I get the whole mind over matter thing, but I don't know if I buy like your mental state can affect your physical. And I said, perfect. I said, why don't I love debate? can I bring you up on stage for a couple minutes and we're going to talk about this? And she goes, Oh no, not me. I, like I, I can't speak in front of all these people. And she got like, you know, super nervous. And I said, well, I was never going to do that. I just planted an idea of bringing you on stage. I don't have permission to do that. And I don't have the time. I have a small slot, but I planted an idea in your mind. And let me guess your heart rate sped up. Your palms probably started to sweat. And it was just an idea of you coming on stage that wasn't real. What happens when you tell yourself, I'm dying, I'm getting worse, I'm never getting better? And she was like, oh, now I get it. And and so it was realizing that we, we the way we think and the way we live in our belief system does impact us heavily. So it was, um, you know, laying in that bed and making small goals, getting an action plan, having my wife journal for me. And, and um, you know, she would journal, you lifted your arm six inches off the table today. And two weeks later, when I'm feeling like I've made no progress and I'm kind of getting a little defeated, I'd pull, I could pull out that journal and have her read entries to me. And it's like, man, two weeks ago, I I could only lift my arm six inches and now I can use a fork and feed myself. Like, that's crazy. And, you know, you're able to see those improvements. Um, So it was, it was really like just after Bob died, seeing, uh, seeing the importance of my mental state. Um, I am a person of faith, so um, I, I, I believe God did miracles and I believe, uh, aside from all the things that I, I did, uh, to work really hard. Um, you know, we were nine hours away from a surgery to amputate both my arms. It was, my arms were turning black and dying. There was, they, they were gone. They were killing me. They didn't have blood flow. And, um, my family had said no to signing off on removing them. They wanted to amputate them right when I came in and it was too late and they they said, hey, we planned the surgery for 9 a.m. 
And at midnight, my dad was still just fighting with the guys at OMC. Like, is there anything you could do? And they said, well, we're going to, um, you know, Mr. Manzari, like, we're sorry. It's, it's happening. The surgery is planned and he'll be w, double amputee in the morning. And they, he just wouldn't shut up. And they eventually said, all right, we're going to call Dr. Llewellyn, but it's past midnight and he's at home. He's our best ortho in Central Florida. If he wants to come in and, and try something, great, but it's done. And Dr. Llewellyn came in at 3 in the morning and uh, did a super aggressive fasciotomy where he made deep cuts up and down my arms and allowed me to basically bleed out on the table while he pumped new blood into my system because I have a full blood bank there. And it relieved the swelling and brought life and circulation back and I mean, there's just so many things when the doctors were all out of options. We were looking at the best doctors in Central Florida who are like, you know, his kidneys will fail. His heart will need to be replaced or fail. His mind is gone. His arms are coming off. And I just watched the best doctors who are wrong, like one out of 100 be wrong again and again and again and again. And, you know, for me in my life, I attribute that. Yes, I worked really hard, but um, but God th- did things that were bigger than what the doctors could do. Matt like scars you know are something that that are going to be like obviously with you forever um but like you know i know there was a time when when you know like you said you I mean there's a time you weren't even going to have any arms but you do you're holding the microphone right now you know <laughs> yeah. you're you're leaning back in this chair i mean to me like you are you i know I I I rewatched your uh, documentary last night, and you know you you say in there you know you're basically the new version of you, you know, and um, but you know I still see the same dude that I've always that I've always known, but I, like I, you know one to zero to one hundred, you know, saying that like the day that you showed up at the hospital, you were a one, you know what I mean, closest yeah. thing to dead. Where where are you today? Where am I today? I mean, it's amazing what the body can do. Like you're saying, I mean, I've had my chest muscle. Uh, pectoral majors are completely removed, and you can't grow muscle back. So I'll never have chest muscle again. I'll never have full range of motion in my arms and shoulders. But uh, I've worked really hard to get as much back as I can to let your other muscles and your back and shoulders compensate. Um, so as far as zero to 100, I don't know, maybe I'm at 60 or 70 and, and I'm still going to try to push to do more than I can. I was surfing with Melissa Marquardt a few weeks ago and we were, uh, we were laughing cause I, I didn't have the mobility to lift my face up. So I was like the nerd on the surfboard doggy paddling out there trying to get through these waves with my face in the water. Cause I couldn't look up when I lay down, but, uh, you know, I'm going to keep trying. And, and like you said, we're sitting in my office, my company's called beyond the burn now. And it's off the premise that I wear my scars on my arms for the whole world to see, but the stuff you might be dealing with, the stuff people deal with every day is unseen. You know, people deal with self-worth and depression and abuse and financial struggles. Uh, and, and and I believe there are ways of moving beyond those burns. We're either in a struggle going into one or in the midst of one. Um, you know, the only thing that we can all relate to is we all struggle. And they're fun struggles like building a pro athletic career to tough ones like fighting for your life, being told you're dying. And though we can't choose them, we can't choose our attitude. We can't choose our faith. We can't choose to persevere. And so so for me in the hospital, it was realizing that early on and, and realizing that even if this is the struggle that takes me down, it wasn't like I, I felt it was owed to me or I deserved to live. It was, 
I've lived an awesome life and I'm thankful for the life I have had. So if this is it, I'm going to be remembered for me. When I die, people are going to say, man, Matt was Matt right till the end. Not He was scared and you didn't want to know Matt at the end. So now I saw some footage. I think I saw some footage of you getting back on the wake skate. Is that uh, are there any truths to that? Is that footage I saw, right? <laughs> yeah, I uh, I did get back on the wake skate. I've been riding, and uh, I've never formally announced it, but I think I'm going to try to release one last video part this year, and uh, I'm pretty excited about it. I've got, I've got the music picked out. I've got the theme and the title and everything picked out, but you'll have to wait to find all that out. Cool. But, um, but hopefully, you know, I don't know what will happen. I just want to have one more web video to kind of – recap my whole career and uh, maybe put some new stuff in there so 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 you're still progressing <laughs> i'm trying <laughs> very cool hey um i know i know we've kind of gone over what i said we would but um two more things here one just your rehab um you know you live right down the street from rusty malinowski's uh crossfit gym i don't know if you're on that level yet but i'm watching some of the videos uh from your documentary of you working out and um just so you know like i finally am back in the gym after like five years and you you're lifting like you're curling from that video the same curling bar and the same weight that i'm using you know and and i'm like pushing myself you know i'm sweating hard and stuff like that and you tell me you've got no chest muscle or anything but i'm seeing you lift you know i mean i wouldn't say it's like crazy crazy substantial weight to like like you know, 1999 or, you know, or 2009, Matt, but, you know, for you to be curling 45 pounds with minimal muscles is pretty insane. Tell me a little bit about your rehab and your current, like, uh, routines. So, uh, the first two years of rehab was just range of motion, trying to stretch scars and you basically just stretch until you break it open and it starts bleeding and then do that every day for two years. Um, which feels a lot like torture, <laughs> but then now that I've been in the muscle rebuilding phase, I trained with Michelle Hansen, and it's funny because even though Reed and Michelle are my wife and I's best friends, um, people probably think I train with her because it's my best friend's wife, but she's actually just an incredible trainer. Like if I didn't know her, I would probably pick her out of all the trainers in Claremont. No offense, Rusty. Uh, because you're you're a little bit over my level right now, Russ. But uh, <laughs> one day though, right? One day. But uh, no, Michelle's a great trainer, and she pushes me uh, really hard. That's and Reed's I, wife. Yeah, that's Reed's wife. So if you guys are ever doing rehab on your knee or anything, uh, look up Michelle because she's really helped bring me. I was training with her this morning and helped bring me where I am today, and getting me stronger to get back in the water. I mean, just this morning she was doing a lot of grip strength stuff, trying to get my my grip strength back for holding on to the handle and uh and and just push me really hard in in the rehab direction really cool man all right uh and we'll finish with this here i'm looking at your whiteboard which is the back wall of your office <laughs> and you have a lot of stuff up here and uh, i know you've got a lot of projects and uh, you're a very very busy dude so uh break it down what you're up to these days so these days i'm I'm speaking with Beyond the Burn. Uh, me and Kevin Durham did uh, 26 events last year, different camps and churches and businesses and uh, events. And then in addition to that, I did at least 
10 or 15 more uh, separate from him. But um, basically right now I travel and speak a lot. Uh, I have a book coming out this summer that was supposed to come out in December, but I just uh, went through a writer change and um, there's a really, really awesome dude out of Atlanta who's going to be helping me kind of reword my book and and uh, write it in a way that's going to be compelling. Uh, so we've got the book coming out. We've got Beyond the Burn and then a few more projects uh, that are separate from that. I mean, it sounds morbid, but after almost dying twice, uh, I tell my wife, like, it's amazing that speaking is providing a really good life for us right now, that I can travel around like I used to for Wake and, and help bring hope to broken people. But at the same time, the day we do find out that maybe I do have some internal organ issues from being electrocuted with that much voltage or the day I end up back in the hospital because of that and I can't speak and our income stops, um, you know, I want a passive income. So I, I do focus as well on uh, real estate, uh, you know, rental properties and a few businesses that I'm working on right now because my hope would be that I could eventually just speak for fun and, and then I have income from other areas. Part of your travels, uh, summer of 2017, also included um, some video premieres for your documentary, Miracle Matt. Um, where are you guys with that? Is that something that we can like watch out for like on Amazon or on like Netflix or something? Yeah, um, that's actually, those are two targets we're working on right now. Um, whether it's going to be Amazon or Amazon Prime Video or Netflix, or if we're just going to have a landing page. We want everyone to have access to it, so we don't want to like sell it. Um, I have, I've got some secret access. You've to got it. some <laughs> secret access. So you know, when it comes out, we're just gonna. Um, uh, Kevin's flying to Branson, Missouri, uh, on the 18th, so in a couple days, and he's gonna make the final edits. Uh, we're meeting right after the podcast to make those final edits. It's 99% done. You're gonna probably cut the announcer out of it, aren't you? Oh yeah, that <laughs> announcer's terrible. No. <laughs> Actually, in the the last update, he accidentally cut one of your announcing oh, really? parts that needs to go back in. Nice, but um, but yeah, so he's making the last minute tweaks, and then we're kind of planning how we're going to promote and release it. We've uh, entered it in some film festivals. You've done some soft premieres. So like the that. soft premieres of what or what yeah, you guys it, have it, done. It's basically screenings. Like when you deal with film uh, festivals, like a Sundance, they won't allow you to release it before the festival, but you can do screening for audience feedback. So we've done private screenings uh, or what you'd call private screening where we'll show it at a boat dealership or a cable park or something, and we can get people's feedback, uh, but we're there to do that. Uh, but we're going to do a public release to where it goes out to everybody uh, coming this summer. And, and we might still travel and do some showings because what's cool about the showing is we can show it and then uh, I can speak afterwards and just share what the film go deeper into what it means and what our hope is that you can get out of it. Well, the movie, the movie invokes, um, some major emotions. And I, I know that, uh, you have shown the movie to some probably like really gnarly, gnarly, like dudes who are probably normally pretty hard, you know? (laughs) And it was uh, was pretty cool watching, uh, you know, not to give names, but watching like some of the dudes from Rockstar Energy and I mean, companies that are known for having the hardest dudes that are all tatted up like, dude, I'm not going to miss the movie like because it's just a movie about their buddy. So it, it's like, yeah, they'll come to that and then watching them tearing up and being moved to emotion. And um, I mean, the movie, 
I use my story in it as just a door opener, but my hope is that people walk away seeing their own lives in it, seeing that you know we we build walls around us that are physical and emotional and uh, spiritual, and, and we build walls out of our fears and our doubts and and learning practical ways to look past those walls and look past those fears and doubts and 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 see what we're really supposed to do in our lives and and what our full potential is. So. Matt, you're such a positive dude, man, and uh, I, I I wish we would have done this earlier. I'm glad we we finally did this, but I'm sure this is going to be uh, one of the most anticipated podcasts I've ever released and probably one of the most listened to episodes, and I want to thank you very much. Well, thanks so much, Dano, for having me on the show, and uh, looking forward to hearing it. Absolutely, dude. So now before I let you get going here, I want to give you an opportunity to... Um, to plug anything, um, any, uh, any, I'm going to give you the opportunity to plug anything, any upcoming projects that you have, uh, sponsors that you still have. Um, and then, uh, obviously it's like social media and stuff where people can find you or find out more about what you're up to or where they can meet you or if anybody wants to reach out to you in general. Yeah. Um, social media is always good. Uh, I actually have a guy coming on, on board, uh, to help me with social media right now. And we're going to be really be focusing on letting people see what this lifestyle is like, what traveling and speaking and just what I do. I mean, people know like, Oh, you guys catch gators and do whatever. And, but hopefully we're going to be getting more of that to the world. So check me out on social media. It's just at Matt Manzari. Um, really simple. And then what happened to the wolf? So I changed the wolf within just cause so many people didn't, know what it was or they're confused and they're searching for my name and this wolf within comes up so i actually haven't fully let go of the wolf i still have that username yeah. I, I just changed it to a different account so if i ever wanted I, I i've got it reserved okay so we can find you on instagram but, yeah matt find Manzari. me on instagram at matt manzari uh and if you want to see more about my story and and what i do my website is beyond the burn dot life um beyond the burn dot life and um there should be updates in the next few months on how you can order the book, how you can see the film on there, and uh, looking forward to this year. Any of those old sponsors still taking care of you these days? So, I mean, like I said, the wake industry is like a family. Everybody's super cool. I mean, I, I just got a wakeboard uh, not too long ago from uh, Ronix, so I went out and actually strapped up for the first time in almost eight years when I was in Texas a couple weeks ago, went riding uh, on the cable, and uh, went to Little Elm, Thank you guys for hooking that up. They opened up the cable. Yeah. Yeah. The Hydras dudes are awesome. We did a film screening there and they're always welcoming. And, uh, I mean, I I don't have any contracts obviously right now, but, uh, I'm not really looking for that, but it's been cool to see how people supported Fox has been amazing. I mean, from the moment I got out of the hospital, uh, John Fox had always hooked it up and, and Todd Hicks over at Fox and just said, Hey, whatever you need. Still got that wardrobe coming through. Yeah. So, so, Fox stuff uh, coming through and uh, Bill at Performance, of course. I mean, he's the dude that's been there all the way from the beginning. Like anything you need for water sports, Performance has it. If you're in a different state and you don't live in Florida, don't worry about it. Like order online, Performance is amazing. Um, Bill was who we went to when I was a little kid riding with Reed for wakeboard stuff and then I'll never forget when he put me on the team, and to this day, he's so good to me. So, 
Bill, love you. Thank you. Very good. All right, Matt. Well, looks like we got a quick special guest in here before we sign <laughs> off. What's up, Reed? What's happening, Dano? Not too much, dude. Good to see you, brother. Yeah, good to see you too. Look at hey, so uh, your wife, she Matt was just telling me she's been whooping his butt in the gym. Mm-hmm. Yep, getting him out there, getting him getting him active again he's been sitting on the couch too much yeah is she so we were talking a little bit about uh rusty's crossfit gym right down the road from us here so you think matt's gonna be ready for that pretty soon i don't know i don't know if um or you think rusty has... might not be ready for matt i don't know i don't know, I don't know if rusty's ready for michelle i mean he can go try the michelle challenge but i don't know if, i don't know if he's got the endurance to handle it so i'm just kidding i love rusty rusty's another big supporter of ours he um he and Lindsay, uh, since the moment we got to the hospital, like our kids are two years behind their kids. So they've always passed down clothing and toys and just, he's always like, Hey dude, you ever need anything? Give me a call. So Rusty, you're the man also. Thanks, very, bud. very cool. All right. Reed, good to see you, brother. Matt, bro. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And, uh, listeners hang tight. Cause we be right back with more right here. On the Golden Mike Podcast. Oh, yeah. Borden.com. Join the largest community for board sports professionals and enthusiasts today. Now you can find the perfect shred session near you. Whether you just want to dip your feet in for an hour or plan a multi-day event with 10 plus people, the Borden.com sessions web app will make it easy to get out on the water. Search and discover local rippers around you or meet new friends all around the world. There's so much going on through this all new online community. So like Boarding.com on Facebook and then create your profile today online at boarding.com. Hey, Golden Mike Podcast listeners, get your boat looking brand new this summer with some custom Sea Deck non-skid traction. On your boat, in your boat, on the dock, or anywhere normally prone to slippery surfaces, even paddle boards and wake surfers. Sea Deck has a growing network of certified fabricators and installers covering the USA, Canada, Europe, and the South Pacific, and now it's easier than ever to have a Sea Deck professional take your project from start to finish. Go to SeaDeck.com, hit the custom button, on the website and look for the interactive map to locate a CDEX certified fabricator or installer in your area to schedule an appointment today. Presented by CDEX Marine Products, it's the Golden Mike Podcast with the noise of the north, Dano the Mano. What you never knew, but you wanted to know, there you go. Thank you, Matt Manzari, for telling your story. Matt's documentary, Miracle Matt, it's going to be another place for you all to hear the story. Matt said it's still up in the air when it's coming out. But you can follow that and Matt and everything that he does at beyondtheburn.life. That's the website, so check it out. You know, Matt's a truly inspirational person, and you know, there's so much that I took out of our conversation. I feel like... If you're looking to be inspired, you know, dig deeper into Matt's story and and reach out. You know, he's accessible. Have him come speak at your office, your kid's school, your wakeboard club, church concert, a contest. 
the dude is rad and you know what it's a blessing to have him with us still today all right guys still taking it easy this month surf expo is next weekend then i kick off february down in Acapulco, Mexico for the start of the Mexican wakeboard season. I've got some rail jams with Step Up Productions coming up. I'll post about that on the Golden Mike Podcast Facebook page. Now, if anybody listening is interested in having me announce, commentate, do voiceover work, or appear at your next event, maybe you just want to advertise on the Golden Mike Podcast or ask me any questions in general, email me, goldenmike at noiseofthenorth.com. You can also message me through the Golden Mike Facebook page. That's the best way of purchasing an official Golden Mike podcast. Dad hat, stickers, magnets, I got them all. Uh, Remember to find and subscribe to the Golden Mike podcast on iTunes or the podcast app on Apple devices and search the app store on just about any podcast app on your Androids. Search, subscribe, Rate, review the podcast. The Golden Mike Podcast archives are also available on SoundCloud. So please check it out there and listen as well. Follow me on Twitter at the Dano T Mano at the Golden underscore Mike. I'm on Instagram at Dano T Mano. The Golden Mike Podcast on Facebook. Thanks again to Matt Manzari. Now a few shout outs to the sponsors and folks behind the scenes. Thank you to SeaDeck, Marine Products, Boulder Boats, Woodrow Sustainable Optics, Performance Ski and Surf, GoPuck, Footin.com, Borden.com, C4 Belts, Rockstar Energy, Lead Wake, Conley, Ronix, O'Brien, Slingshot Wakeboards, Jenna Carruth on the web, and Rich Walsh on the audio. That's going to do it for today's show, and I appreciate you all for tuning in and listening. I'm the Noise of the North, Daniel Mano, and you can hear me next time once again on the Golden Mike Podcast.